Today on the Dean Dome Talk, we've got two new uh, commits to UNC. We've got a massive shakeup in uh, uh, college athletic conferences. Uh, we got a roundup of the end of the soccer season around the world, including the ends of tournaments. And we've got some NBA talk, including a review of the NBA finals and a preview of the NBA draft. But first, it's tip-off time on the Dean Don't Talk. to the Dean Dome Talk. I am Getty, and joining me once again is Andrew. Hey, everyone. And uh, it's been a little while. You know, life gets in the way, and uh, an erroneous recording here and there, of course, because things sometimes just don't like working. But we are back, and boy, has a lot happened since the last podcast Mm -hmm. episode. But first, as usual, quick fire facts. Would you like to take it away? Yes, I would. So the first one is something I didn't even know was possible to happen. From NFL memes underscore IG, their Instagram account, I learned the other day that EJ Manuel is the only NFL quarterback to lose games in three different countries. The United States, Canada, and England. That's, that, that's quite impressive to lose in three countries. I didn't know we, that the NFL has played any games games in canada so i'm, I'm yeah kind of surprised i, I, I knew that they played a game in mexico England, but... but not canada i don't remember playing in canada yeah yeah oh, that's... it's funny because like he's he's bad enough to lose in these three countries but he's also good enough to become the starter during these games in multiple different countries so yeah that's that i thought that was pretty funny that, that, was pretty that funny. is that is really interesting, to say the least. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then um, Tokyo is under a state of emergency that runs through the Olympics. So the Olympics right now are ongoing with fans um, and during you know protests against the Olympics even being held. So no that's fans, something to keep an eye on. People outside of protesting. Yeah 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 people are um people are not happy with it being held they feel like or some of the people in tokyo feel like it's going to you know cause covid to spread even more um so it'll be uh we'll we'll keep our eye on to see if that happens i know i've heard of a few or multiple athletes getting covid so it'll be interesting to see how this goes because we're still in the early stages of the tournament itself yeah and uh, have you seen all those cardboard beds they've been giving the athletes? Recycled cardboard no, no. beds. Yeah, they're, uh, no, they're supposed beds. to support 400 pounds and all. 
but uh, their designs, are, it's 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 a little it looks a little plain, but you know when you're having to construct this like entire villages and stuff just for the athletes, mm-hmm. just for about a just under a month, just about a month, it's you know you kind of had to cut corners somewhere. Yeah, but on the beds. Yeah, Yikes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know, like you need a good night's sleep before you're before you compete. Exactly. Yeah. The athletes have to stay in the village. They can't go and stay in a hotel or anything. Yeah. Well, um, maybe that's what I'm gonna blame the next thing on. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame the U.S.'s failure so far in the Olympics on uh, the cardboard beds because the U.S. has been absolute garbage so far. The U.S. men's basketball team, they had not lost an Olympic match since 2004. They lose to France. U.S. women's soccer had gone on a 44-game unbeaten streak in all competitions, and then they lost 3-0 to Sweden. And then gymnastics, which had not finished second in a round in an international event as a team in close to a decade well in the first round of the olympic gymnastics competitions they finished second now they'll you know all these teams are still competing uh for basketball and soccer they're still in the group stage and at least for the women's national team they um they seem like they have a good chance of going on to the next round for soccer and then gymnastics they even though they were second they were able to advance to that next round so they still have a chance to win it all but it's been a not the greatest showing from the teams that are supposed to be the most dominant yeah as it stands right now in the olympics china has 11 medals the u.s is in second of 10 and the rest of the competition has seven really yeah so, uh when it's good that we even got back up to even got to 10 medals because during the first day we had zero medals which was a first in many decades for the u.s to go the first day with zero medals so we're we're rebounding but some of these sports we're not doing what we thought we would do yeah which is quite disappointing still it's still the beginning yeah. though still the beginning. yeah still the beginning still lots of time left and again like i said these three those three teams that i mentioned basketball soccer and gymnastics they could all end up winning gold but their beginnings have not been as good so see how that goes next up the cleveland indians changed their name they're talking about doing it for a little while and uh earlier this season they said you know what we're going to officially change our name and whatever name we choose it'll go into effect for the next season and so the Cleveland Indians decided that they are not now called the Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland Guardians. Some people love the name. Some people hate the name. Honestly, I'm fine with the name. You know, as a Cleveland fan, um, Guardian sounds pretty cool. But the logo looks trash. It looks awful. It's like two G's with a baseball That's in between them. So basic. In like wings coming off the G's. That's really yeah. basic. Look, yeah, very basic. So they, I mean, they could have done something better than that. Honestly, I was hoping that they were going to incorporate the fact that Cleveland's the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame into the name, or incorporate the fact that uh, Superman's creators are went to high school in Cleveland. So 
neither of those things happened. Although I'll get used to the name. I'll get used to the name. One thing that I did learn that I had no clue about was that Tom Hanks is a huge fan of the Indians or now Guardians. He was the one who narrated the intro video for the new name. So I, I hope know. I hope I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's a big name too. Yeah, which makes it even more surprising that I didn't know. He needs to, you know, the team needs to use him to lure some better players up to Cleveland. And then finally in baseball news, the Miami Marlins pitcher Pablo Lopez became the first pitcher since 1884. Ooh. Yes, that's right, 1884. Uh, the sh first one since then to strike out the first nine pitchers of the game. Seven of those uh, I mean, sorry, strike out the first nine batters of the game. Lopez struck out seven of those batters while those batters were swinging. Absolutely crazy. I mean, nine batters, nine up, nine down. You know, it's hard enough to go nine batters without letting in any runs, much less any hits. But to strike them all out, that's crazy. That is, that is really. Yeah. And he's a pretty, he sounds like a pretty cool guy too. Um, he graduated high school in Venezuela in, uh, when he was 16 years old. And upon graduation was accepted into medical school. This guy just wants but to do everything. But he chose to go to the MLB instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man. Breaking 100-year-old baseball records, getting into medical school before he's a legal adult, you know, all in a day's work. Wow. And he's only 25, yeah. right? He's only 25 now. Yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of a future ahead of him. That is that is just crazy. But, yeah, uh, I guess that that wraps it up, right? Yeah, it does. It does. Well, now we've got some UNC news. It's pretty exciting. Ooh, yeah, uh, some really really big UNC news for for basketball. Let's start off there. Uh, UNC's got two new commits. One for this year, one for next year. First of all, Dawson mm -hmm. Garcia. This has been everywhere uh, now. Um, he's committed uh, transferring six foot eleven forward uh, from Marquette. Ha can shoot from inside the arc, outside the arc. Can sit in the paint. Can do whatever. This guy is going to be real good. And for context, mm -hmm. uh, this is from. This is from Brian Ives. In the last 25 seasons, North Carolina players six foot eleven or taller made a combined seven threes. <laughs> Dawson Garcia, who's six foot eleven, made twenty six threes last season. So uh, this is sort of falling into that sort of a new style that uh, Coach Hubert Davis wants to go for with. Everybody on the floor being able to shoot, stretch the floor, uh, make every player can make the other team pay for lax defense anywhere on the court, and I really like that. But I did mention there were two commits because uh, Jalen Washington, in the class of twenty-two, um, has committed six-nine power forwards a center. Though I think he might get another inch growing or something uh, from Indiana committed. And he's got some pretty big shoes to fill. All of UNC's previous big men from Indiana have won national championships, been selected All-Americans, and gone first round in the draft. That's, 
Montross, That's very May, big. and Zeller. Yeah. <laughs> Those are really big shoes to fill. So, uh, big hopes, big hopes. Um, apparently, he's a good shooter. Can be good in paint, though. Still has some stuff to work out. But um, I, I really like this. I really, really like this. Mm. Um, in other news, there is a another person who already committed but uh details have come out as to when he will be coming to unc will shaver also in the class of 22 um a center will be enrolling at unc starting this january and will be redshirting uh so we'll join the team in january nice. redshirting. so uh those are some big recruitment updates right there uh some influencing yeah. the team this that's season, big to get us some next th- season mm-hmm so uh, you can go on. Yeah, that's good to get him in there and you know around the team, um, practicing for basically a full semester more than he would have normally. So that's that's very good. I'm happy about that. Yeah, I I really like this. I like this. I like what's mm-hmm. going on around the yeah. program right now. Um, in other news, a player who has just graduated from UNC, Sterling Manley, has decided to. Not transfer, not become a graduate transfer, but instead go pro. Um, I believe he did some uh, workouts with the NBA Combine and probably going to go pro somewhere overseas or something. So uh, I don't know if he's going to be in any uh, two-way – I don't think he's going to do a two-way contract or anything uh, or be in NBA Summer League or anything. But uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to have a good place somewhere overseas. so best of luck to him. I love Big Stir. So uh, yeah, I love Big Stir. I was just trying to keep up with people. Uh, and other news, yeah, uh, Cam Johnson that came out during the NBA playoffs was is still doing his master's thesis. Um, specifically, uh, that his thesis is currently on hold a little bit, but he's about halfway through it, and uh, his mom and grandma are still on his case about it. Uh, from Zimmerman, <laughs> Cam Johnson says he is halfway through his thesis, but he needs to start data collection. Quote, I'm going to go on record that I'm going to finish it this off season." End quote. So, uh, he just, he, he's put himself into a corner right now trying to finish this all, you know, finish his thesis. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's good I mean, on him. Good on him for that finishing on yourself. Yeah, good yeah. on him for yeah. keeping up I'm with glad. this. Getting his ed- getting uh, even higher levels of education and stuff, so mm-hmm. that's really good. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, in other news, if I can get back to where I was, there we go. Um, there's a new decoration, a very fancy decoration, in the <laughs> uh, in the practice gym at UNC in Dean Smith Center. And that decoration is the 2017 Final Four court. Yep, the court, the center logo, the whole center logo. Uh, an image uploaded uh, various places, including the UNC media, shows Kenny Williams, Isaiah Hicks, Thea Penson, and grad assistant Brendan Robinson uh, standing in front of the entire assembled center court logo of the 2017 Final Four and championship game court so it's pretty nice yeah uh it's also that's, nice that's to really see cool to get that in there yeah yeah it's also nice to see uh, all the images coming out of um, chapel hill with 
all the alum coming back to to campus and playing pickup games and stuff it's really nice to see mm-hmm. um yeah yeah uh in other news a little bit different uh, apparently uh we're gonna go take a little stroll to the side here armando Baker and kj smith have taken another step in an il and decided that cryptocurrency is a new thing they want to start doing uh specifically they're creating a cryptocurrency called highlight token i don't have any more details beyond that but if you see a crypto called highlight token you can just point it back to armando and kj as uh being theirs so uh in other news whenever it's uh fourth and five and or we're doing a final drive down the field to win the game in football this season um it's not just going to be Sam Howell time. It's also going to be Bow time because Sam Bo Howell time. is now being sponsored by Bojangles. So uh, it's going to be real cool. That's actually a big. That like, is gigantic. You know, most of our players they've been signing on to companies that are nice, but like I had never heard of Jimmy Seafood. The one Armando signed with. And he had a jersey with that on it too. <laughs> there's a jersey. Yes, with that on there's it? A, there is a jersey oh, with Jimmy Seafood on the front and Armando on the back. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, that the, is wonderful. It's real. It's real. Um. <laughs> oh gosh, that that sounds that sounds pretty cool. But still, I had not heard of Jimmy Seafood before. But I had heard of Bojangles before. So Sam Howe, I mean, he's he's not playing around here. He's going big time with these come with this NIL stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. I hope they, this... they earned it, yeah. really. They put in the hard work mm, on, on the field and in the gym. They they deserve to be mm-hmm. able to be uh sort of be paid off in sort of what they've been doing. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, definitely no i agree so uh also i'm excited yeah maybe he'll be able to yeah maybe he'll be able to convince bojangles to actually open up a place in chapel hill oh please 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 because franklin street needs some more places bojangles sponsors the a lot of places in franklin yeah and it would be such a hit oh yeah it would never be it would never be empty never be packed can you imagine if it was in bottom of lenore how packed it so would be. So the UNC Charlotte, the, the UNC Charlotte uh, Union. When I was doing my masters mm-hmm. there, I passed through there, and there is a Bojangles in the Union there, in the center of campus. Man. And you can imagine it was always a hit, always. So. Yeah. Imagine what it would be on the, on the UNC campus. But uh, it would be moving insane. along a little bit. Uh, first thing, uh, we mentioned the Olympics being underway right now. Well, uh, there are 10 Tar Heels representing the country and Carolina in the Olympics. Um, this is as reported by UNC himself. Uh, a number of players representing Team USA, Mexico, Great Britain, and New Zealand are at the Olympics in various sports, including diving, track and field, baseball, soccer, and uh, I believe that's it. Yes, that's it. Yeah. 
five five soccer players yeah five um women soccer players it shows you how great of a program that unc soccer has yes like yeah always big time players chapel hill's the place to be exactly so we're gonna now transition keeping it on unc vibes right here but we're gonna start transitioning into sort of scheduling updates and uh the not unc non-conference schedule is now out for basketball um Mm -hmm. in order the first game at home will be elizabeth city state on the 5th of november remember remember the 5th Mm -hmm. of november uh, that's when we begin. Uh, followed by Loyola, Maryland on the 9th of November at home. Brown on the 12th of November at home. Then away to College of Charleston. I think I believe that's a home-and-home home series uh, on the 16th of November. Interesting. Yes. Home-and-home. Uh, home. So next year we'll play home to Charleston. Um, Okay. And after that, on the 20th of November, begins the Hall of Fame tip-off, I believe, in Connecticut. Uh, or our first mm-hmm. game on the 20th is Purdue. Following that, we either mm-hmm. play Tennessee or Villanova on the 21st, also part of the Hall of Fame tip-off. Following that, we come back home to play UNC Asheville on the 23rd of November. And then we in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, we play Michigan on the 1st of December. Then... 10 day, we have a 10-day break there. Uh, on the 11th, we play Elon at home. Then 14th, play Furman. UCLA, the CBS Sports Classic, I believe at a neutral venue. Uh, we play UCLA. That's going to be a great game. Uh, and yeah, then our yeah. last non-conference game that is scheduled will be at home to App State on the 21st. Yeah. So just looking at this, we play um, one two, three, four, four schools in the state in non-con, non-conference. So that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. I like this. And yeah. including that, we have the potential to play Villanova, who will be good. And Tennessee will also be good. Purdue's also great, mm-hmm. uh, typically. They'll be good. Uh, they'll be great. Michigan uh, and UCLA. Five really good matchups. Mm-hmm. Five really good matchups yeah, in non-conference. To help build the rigor of our schedule and also improve this, the team through wins and through losses, you can this team will improve through mm-hmm. the schedule. Uh, um, yeah, no, those are some exciting games, and it's nice we also have the rather how do I say this? The supposed the games that are supposed to be easy on the schedule, we've got plenty of those, but then we also have the di- more difficult ones. The Three of them jump out to me as the most exciting. You mentioned two of them. UCLA, that is that is big time, I think, for us. It's even more big UCLA time because Johnny Juzang is withdrawn from Juzang. the NBA draft. Yep. Returning to UCLA is going to be really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's coming back to UCLA. So um, he will be a tough player to guard, but it will be fun to see what we, what we do against them. And then I hope we get to play Villanova. For you know, revenge's sake. Yes. From the tournament with a good back a few years ago. Yes, yes, and that would be a great way for Hubert Davis to start his career as a coach, because that would only be his um, fifth game as the head coach, or fifth you know regular season game as the head coach. 
and that would be a good way to kind of solidify him. But also away at College of Charleston in our third official game of the year. You know, I like College Char- Charleston's not supposed to be a good team, but the fact that we are going on the road against a non-Power 5 team, we've done it before. I think we did it against, uh, what was it, Wofford? We, we went to Wofford, um, and we've gone to a few other schools, small schools on the road. But it's, it's going to be a little bit of a good test because we've got a lot of youth on the team and you know that this is that's the biggest game of the year for charleston so we need to make sure to be ready to play and not take that game lightly exactly Um, exactly i think i think we're ready but uh this mentioned that unc ucla is the cbs sports cbs sports classic the other game in that because there's two games usually is kentucky versus ohio state which is also a very spicy game Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, December eighteenth yeah. will be a very good day for basketball. It sure will. It sure will. Um, um, in other news, uh, so next year, uh, the invitational one of the invitational little tournaments or events that's been announced is the Jumpman Invitational on December twentieth and twenty uh, first. Uh, this will include the men's and women's teams from the following four schools. UNC, Florida, Michigan, and Oklahoma. So those are four good teams right there. Four good teams. Yeah. So, uh, but that will be next year, next uh, next season. Mm-hmm. So that has been. That's announced. good. That it's good for the Jordan brands to be advertising those schools with you know their own their own tournament. Yeah. It definitely does well because i'd forgotten that oklahoma was jordan brand i remember yeah, I michigan didn't realize that yeah florida was but yeah I'd, I'd forgotten oklahoma was and so it's also you know four teams from different conferences well maybe not different conferences for long uh yeah we'll um, get to that in a moment <laughs> way yeah. to spoil it as if nobody way else heard yeah. yeah yeah um should we go ahead into that? Because yeah, think you know what, you've just you just broken the dam. Let's just go into it straight away. Uh, yeah, Texas and Oklahoma want to join the SEC, and that basically leaves a Texas and Oklahoma sized hole in the Big Twelve. And with yeah. that hole apparent, Kansas and Iowa State are looking at uh, at the Big Ten like, hey, uh, you guys got some room. <laughs> for similar teams so uh that that, that is just the, this move screams money texas wants more money sec wants more money yeah Every, everybody's gonna make more money with these moves except for the teams that are left behind in the pack 12 uh, in the big 12 sorry yeah this is oh my gosh i mean we could we could probably talk hours about this um i mean well first uh, there's just so much to talk about one i don't you know the sec schools have to vote on this and i think it's 11 of the 14 schools have to agree to these moves yes Um, rumor has it that it's looking like the 11 schools will be for it but what i've seen would other schools i what i've seen is that the vote publicly is 13 to 1 but it was unanimous in actuality but for public appearance texas 
A&M is voting no, but they're really, it's, there's too much money in it to say no. Really. I don't understand why the small schools are doing it. Not, not small, but, um, you know, I'm just thinking about Arkansas, for example. Arkansas is in a division with Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and Texas A&M. That's not even fair. AKA, <laughs> they are in a division with four guaranteed losses every year. Okay? Yeah. If you add Oklahoma and oh, Texas, man. right? And, you know, on, if you add Oklahoma and Texas, the logical thing would be add one team in one division, one team in the other division. So Arkansas is voting to add either Oklahoma or Texas to their you know, schedule every single year to move it from four guaranteed losses a year to five guaranteed losses a year. Why the heck would they do that? Now, I mean, the possibility that divisions will be shook, shook up, and I've heard talk about that, and that they're just going to completely redo the divisions. But based off... They probably should at this point. Right. But it still would be, you know, basically there's going to be eight power programs in the SEC in the upcoming years and it would make sense for them to split it up so there's four in one division four in another so like i just don't understand you arkansas is voting for that to happen why would they want that to happen you know other schools kentucky right they're in a division where they can you know they have to play florida and georgia every year so those are two guaranteed losses but with tennessee kind of falling down a peg the past past quite some time you know teams like kentucky and missouri and south carolina they have a actual chance to creep up to third in their division but that's not going to happen anymore if these divisions get shook up or if it goes the other way and either oklahoma or texas at goes into their division you know at some point these smaller programs have got to say yeah money's nice but i would like to make a bowl game every once in a while i'd love to have a decent win-loss record so beats beats me why they're why they are money has a very very loud voice despite having no mouth yeah so that's also bad for texas it's this is a bad move for texas it if depends. you forget about the money it depends because a lot one of the big complaints among big uh or big 12 schools is the longhorn network that's yeah. one of the biggest ones just reading through uh forums and, mm-hmm. and stuff is that Every one of them, including Kansas, hates the Longhorn Network. Yeah. And they have such a monopoly on stuff. But getting Texas out is sort of... Like, they like Texas leaving, but it also means that the Big 12 is basically dead. And a lot of the thoughts are that Texas has to get rid of the Longhorn Network in order to join the SEC because of the SEC Network. With ESPN, so and would they really do that? Would they give up know. that money and power to do I, that? I don't know. Why would they? And another thing, they just have so much power in the Big Twelve. You know, they have pushed through this rule that schools cannot do the horn down gesture, or fans and uh, play like players cannot do the horns down gesture to them, um, or else it'll be a, a penalty. I don't know how many yards, 10, 15 yard penalty. Do you really think that's going to happen in the SEC? Do you really think Texas will have enough power to say, hey, our players kind of feel hurt when you make fun of the, the signal we do all the time? Like, really? You think that schools are going to do that? Like, they're they're giving up so much power 
to go to the SEC. And it's also, they've struggled in recent years in football. Ever since Mac Brown left, they have not found their footing. And now you're going to a tougher conference? I don't know. I just... Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem... Yeah, I don't doesn't know. doesn't seem good. I mean, it's basically now yeah. the, the SEC... This is most likely going to happen, I think, at this point. Um, though, I, though, if it doesn't happen, I, I'll honestly say I'm surprised if it doesn't happen because the money is too good. Um, well, there, sort of, there's three things to talk about this move. One is these teams coming in and what does the SEC and so probably is going to split up the SEC into two conferences of eight or sub-conferences of eight really uh, but now let's talk about the other side of this Kansas is basically left in the Big 12 like uh, there goes our basketball competition <laughs> yeah. we need something better so looking at mm. the Big 10 there's some pretty good schools in the Big Ten. And yeah. a move yeah. to the Big Ten would be pretty good. It would rival, like, the Big Ten would rival the ACC in terms of basketball. Like, it might even equal or surpass it. Possibly. It would, possibly. I think it would pass. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, let's take just a quick look at this right now. Um... think better with maps so just just looking you've got indiana ohio state michigan and michigan state out on top of mm -hmm. that and wisconsin of course is pretty good out on yeah. top of that yeah, kansas that is just massive that is absolutely yeah. massive because because <laughs> the, the acc like, it's basically UNC, Duke, and uh, a cycling of teams that come in and out. Like, now it's Virginia and, uh, mm -hmm. and Florida State. Uh, they'll probably cycle down and two new teams will come up uh, eventually mm -hmm. to take their place. Things will just change all, all the time. But it's really being held up constantly by Duke, UNC. I mean, Virginia's had some levels of su sustained success, uh, but they did have that time when they weren't successful for, for a long period. And that's why I'm sort of a little bit reluctant uh, to put them in there. But, but uh, you know, just let's just put Virginia in Indiana. Like, of course, there's a big difference in their historical successes, but let's just put them uh, right now on the same level for argument's sake. You've then got Michigan and, and Michigan State. Neither of them are quite on the level of UNC and Duke, but they're still really, really still good, good year yeah. in, year out. So let's just, for all intents yeah. and purposes, put them on that level. And let's put Ohio State where Florida State is, okay? Mm -hmm. At Kansas to the Big Ten, there is nobody. There is nobody. You can just map that too in the ACC, right? Syracuse is not that good right. anymore. Pitt's not good. Clemson's not as good. NC State wishes they were good. <laughs> Wake Forest has a basketball team. Like 
the Big Ten would become that basketball conference. Oh, it definitely would. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's here's one thing. If you look at if you um, look at the top ten schools based on number of Final Four appearances, if you add Kansas to the Big Ten, that would mean five Big Ten schools would be in the top ten in all time Final Four appearances. And how many ACC schools? Like two, three. UNC, three. Duke, Louisville. Louisville, um, and then the other oh, ones. Yeah, being... I forgot Louisville completely. Yeah, Louisville has. Oh my gosh, I forgot Louisville completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're not on the coast. But up five for the top ten final fours, right? Yeah. I mean, um, and I mean, you know, like you said, these schools are very historic. Indiana has five national championships. People forget that. That's yeah. the same number as Duke has. That's more than UConn has. More than Villanova. More than Syracuse. You know. Michigan had the Fab Five back in the day, and they have stayed good since. Michigan State has been a great program. I mean, just that would be a dominant conference. Ohio State people forget they have eleven Final Fours. That is sixth most all time. Um, Yeah, I mean, it would be the. I think it would be the best conference in college basketball because, partially because UNC and Duke are going through coaching changes when that would happen and i'm sure that hubert davis um oh what's his face is it shire that's taking over i don't remember Purdue. his name i don't remember his name actually I, I, that's kind of bad that's yeah. bad on me i probably should put more respect yeah. on him but uh <laughs> i don't remember Tyra. his name uh, right now we'll worry about that later but uh the point right but the the two new the two new blue blood head coaches that, those are two new basically new programs new head coaches who'd never been head coach before and um, that means a lot of change. That usually means a little bit of fall off when you have you know changes in coaches. But Kansas, Michigan State, I mean, they have coaches who've been around a long time, seem like they're going to be around a little bit longer, and are Hall of Famers. Ohio State has a in Michigan both have two great, very young coaches, and then Indiana, you know, Indiana could use some changes, but still. Yeah, for basketball purposes, it does that. But um, I'm worried that this move, Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, it brings up two scary thoughts. One, that this is a repeat of the um, Southwestern Conference departure from the 90s that caused lots of chaos. And yeah, caused Could you elaborate on the, that a little bit? In case people don't know. Yeah, so me. the SWC... <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so the SWC was a conference from 1914 to 1996. Uh, it was a great conference. The primary teams um, over the entirety of the conference were all of the Texas schools plus Arkansas. So, you know, it's Arkansas, Baylor, Rice, Texas, Texas A&M, SMU, TCU, um and who else am i forgetting uh texas tech uh and then houston was in it too but they joined in the 70s so that's actually nine teams um so you had nine teams but then teams started leaving that conference and like i know arkansas left swc joined the sec and then um I feel like a couple of other schools decided that they were going to leave. 
the Texas, well, actually it was Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, and Texas Tech said, you know what, we're going to join, we're going to join with the old Big 8 to create the new Big 12. And that was in 1994. And, you know, it, it lasted, the conference lasted for a couple years after that. But the teams like SMU, TCU, Rice, and Houston, they were like, it, it messed them up very bad. Those four programs. Those four programs used to be in one of the you know one of the power conferences. They TCU is the only one that's in a power conference now, and it took them a very long time to get back to the Big Twelve. I mean, there was a period of time where they were in the Mountain West, and a period of time before that they were in a smaller conference. Houston has built their way up to get back to the American Athletic Conference, same as SMU. Rice is doing absolutely nothing but those four schools their programs you know were dead for decades after the swc collapse so i'm worried something like that could happen with the big 12 the teams that are left because if oklahoma texas leave to sec then kansas iowa state to the big 10 you know how many schools are going to want to accept tcu how many conferences are going to want to accept tcu kansas state um Oklahoma State will do fine because they're big enough of a program. And frankly, I think the same, you know, Texas Tech will be fine too. But some of these schools, this, like, where are they going to go? Because you can't have a 16 conference. Guess they could go to the Pac 12, which there's been talk about that. Somebody's got to get kicked out. Um, Somebody's got to yeah, get kicked it, out of a conference they're already in. It, there, there's just no room. Right. There, so, right. There's no room. Like, Kansas State, like, the college basketball subreddit is just full of Kansas State fans crying. And I, I feel right. for them. I, I feel for them. Nobody wants them. Uh, right, because they're not a good enough of a basketball they're program. Not, like, they've had yeah. their years, but they're not good enough of a program to be like, hey, you know, we would add something to your conference. And they're definitely not a good enough of a program to do that for football either. Which, I mean, all of this seems to be being driven by football. So I, I don't know how much we need to even talk of the basketball side, but yeah, their football program's not good. So you know what are they gonna do? I have an idea. <laughs> Go join the American, maybe? No, I, I have an idea. I have a separate idea. I just off the top mm-hmm. of my head, if I was Kentucky, I would leave the SEC and go to the ACC for the big. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> Kentucky joined the ACC. That Louisville's right there. Okay. Louisville Louisville's is there. right yeah, there. there. Yeah, Louisville's right there. West Virginia can join. Uh, West Virginia and Kentucky, two teams join the ACC. Bam. Mm-hmm. Notre yeah. Dame can join whatever they want somewhere else. Uh, we don't need them. I mean, they could join the big. They could join well, the Big we, Ten. We actually really do need them. Can't no put. Can, um, no put uh, Kansas and Notre Dame in the Big Ten. Kentucky and West Virginia join the ACC. Don't tell. That would create such a yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, a battle for basketball. A battle for basketball. The be ACC Big Ten Challenge would be so legendary. Every oh, it year, would. it sure would. Yeah, and to yeah. have a conference with three of the four blue bloods. Hmm. That. Mm. That would, no, that would be amazing. The um, other thing is, what if UNC joins bas- the SEC? For basketball, it would be amazing. I, I, I was sort of tempting the devil here. What if UNC joins the SEC? Just because, you know? I mean, 
Well, here's there's actually an argument for it. I know people are gonna say, "Oh, you're crazy for suggesting this." Oh, I, um, I know. I feel well, crazy. Off, I we feel... say in our description, in our description of our podcast, we say, "Get ready for hot takes." Yes. Here's the hot, hot takes. take of the century. UNC joined SEC because do you know what's being made clear by these athletic directors and school presidents? Money is that basketball doesn't really matter. It's yeah. all about football. Kansas's football ACC program even said. Hold on, Kansas's football program makes more money than their basketball program, and Kansas is dog and shit at football. Kansas is absolute trash in football. <laughs> absolute football trash. Still makes I'm, I'm, more money. It still makes more money. Okay, and um, I'm trying to pull up their previous, you know, most recent seasons um, list to show you how absolutely terrible they are. Um, but while I'm getting that to load, let me tell you something. Back in, was it 2018 that UNC won the ACC in uh, basketball, the ACC regular season? Uh, I don't know if we, did we win it in 2018? I know we tied well, it. it, it I tied, we tied the regular season in 2019. We tied it with Virginia. Okay, 2019. Yeah. Okay, 2019 then. That year, which UNC basketball, ACC regular season champions, co-champions, and then the football team only had two wins. Oh, don't remind Guess me. Guess who produced more money for the university? The football program. The football team, even though UNC – ACC regular season champions, Kobe White year, Luke May, make it to the Sweet 16. And UNC football was absolute garbage that year. And still, yeah, so that shows you about football. Um, and I'm going to look up something. I'm, I'm looking up something. So Kansas last year in football, zero wins. Year before that, three wins. Year before that, three wins. One win. Two wins. Oh, what a zero wins. Oh, no. That is literally absolute trash, and you're telling me that they can oh, no. still make more money doing that than one of the than their basketball program. So, tying that into what we were just saying, that shows that the money is in football. So we need to watch out for football interests. I guess yeah. going to the SEC would obviously would obviously help football for UNC. I mean, the and ACC... one of the reasons why we would want to. Mm-hmm. No, no, go on, go on. Well, so yeah, no, no. Uh, so ACC is problematic for football. If there's this arm rate, arms race happening, um, why we should not want to be in the ACC and why we should want to be in the SEC? Because ACC, think about it, it's cousin. Yes, there is tra- a lot of tradition in history in Miami and Florida State, and even some in Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, but they have not demonstrated that in a long time. Now, people are thinking that Miami is going to be very good this year, and they might. I don't and, buy you know, it. We'll I really discuss don't discuss our cultural it. predictions this year. Yeah, well, so they may, they may not. Florida State is an absolute mess right now. Um, so the ACC is being carried by Clemson. Now, being carried by a team that can win a championship, you know, they're in the playoffs almost every single year. But that's not good for our conference. I mean, so that means if Clemson takes a small step down, we got nothing. There is some competition. Because no one's good, though. That's the yeah. reason there's competition in the conference, because no one's good. You think about SEC, obviously, got great competition. Big Ten, you know, when it's Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and Wisconsin all battling each other, that's true competition. Yeah. 
Uh, even the Big 12, I mean, Oklahoma's dominated that conference recent years, but Texas and Oklahoma State, they are, they are good programs, and they can compete with Oklahoma, um, and they can challenge them. I mean, so and the, here's here's another thing though. What the ACC? Mm-hmm. What makes one of the lifebloods of the ACC is the is the triangle. Like it yeah. might not be the biggest money generator, but it is a gigantic publicity generator. It is a gigantic right. fandom generator, where you have three super universities, including NC State. NC State has some great programs there like each each university has its own specialty but three good universities all within just like a really short drive of each other and each of them hates each other's guts and play each other each twice a year in basketball and in in basically non-football sports mm-hmm. that is that is, you don't see that in other places, right? You, you really don't. There no, is, I agree. A lot of places you'll have like Michigan State and Michigan. Okay, you've got, but they're not. I don't know how close they are to each other. I don't remember. But you don't have anywhere in the country three universities all within half hour or less drive of each other. Yeah. With this, with the history yeah. and stuff in them. Yeah. And if UNC leaves. That is no. going to hurt. No. It's going to hurt them and us a little bit. Yeah, we'll make some money in football. Let's say, let's say the I don't SC, think it SEC. will hurt us. It, well, it'll hurt, it'll, it will hurt sort of our branding because we played like, – we could still schedule, I guess, uh, non-con to Duke games maybe. I don't know if that would work. But what makes the yeah. Duke games that much better is that they're at the end of the season. And they have so much weight to them. If you play them mid-season, you know, November, December, like, they'll be big games, but they don't have the weight. You have time to rebound off of it. But if you put... But but when, like, the last day of the regular season, UNC and Duke, you know, they're up against each other, you know, who's going to win the ACC... Like in 2019, if uh, if Duke uh, if Duke, if Duke had won in 2019, I think uh, that would have just given Virginia the ACC title just stand alone. But UNC mm-hmm. won to yeah. get the share of it. You you lose so mm-hmm. much of that. So, so to yeah. me, I would rather if we go somewhere, I would drag Duke with us. Despite hating yeah. Duke, I would drag Duke with us because mm-hmm. we need them just as much as they need us, financially mm-hmm. even, and just spirit-wise. I think UNC can survive without State. I don't know if State can survive without <laughs> UNC, but... Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I can say, I agree. Okay, I agree with you. Maybe I'll take a step back. I What I was saying was what... Here's the thing. I would rather all the conferences be based on geography. Same. And I would same, rather same, same, Oklahoma same, same. and Texas. Yeah, Oklahoma and Texas go back to stay in the Big 12, bring Nebraska back to the Big 12, 
bring Texas A&M back, bring Colorado back to the Big 12, you know, and just make it a lot more geography-based. And honestly, make the ACC smaller. Kick out some of the schools the, far the up schools north. The schools in the down. north, yeah. Bring Maryland back. Let, let Syracuse, Pitt, Boston College out. Um, I, I would also sort of try to sanction a trade with the SEC. Can we get uh, Georgia and they can have Louisville? I think that would be a little bit better. I just see there's so much potential to putting Louisville and Kentucky in the same conference. Because they hate each other's guts and they're close enough to each other where you could have a big money maker and just a really good rivalry played every year there. And it's such a big co- commercial area that is not being ex- uh, being, being exploited enough. And yeah, that's that's sort of my spiel, but I I would much rather prefer the conferences be geogra- geography locked due to um Due to travel costs and also, you, know, you don't want to emit as much carbon dioxide of traveling and stuff. Uh, it's nicer to put them in relative areas. And it makes things a little bit neater, uh, neatly organized. You don't get the thing where Louisville's in the ACC, even though they're not in a state that borders the, uh, the Atlantic coast, oddly enough. So uh, that's just my two cents about this. But it's sort of... I, something I want to look at is what does the rest of the Big 12 do at this point? Because with Kansas leaving, Texas, Oklahoma leaving, West Virginia, as it seems, is probably going to go to the ACC as it stands right now, along with Notre Dame, probably going ACC. Um, Kansas and Iowa State will go to the Big, Big 10. Just leaving a bunch of teams in the Big Ten doing who knows what. Will will they create a new conference? Will they um, will they try to join an already existing conference? I've seen that the Pac-12 might be trying to get Texas Tech and Baylor. I don't know if that's really possible at this point. Um, given that, I think that you need to be on the Pacific Coast to be in the Pac-12, in my opinion, at least. And I don't believe they should qualify at this point. Uh, So that's just really my two cents. And, uh, I think that should, that should wrap it up with, uh, with this conference realignment. All right, so that will take us uh, over to soccer, and a lot's happened. The basically capping off last year's soccer season, which has just ended, as preseasons for next year's uh, season begins for some teams. Uh, let's start off with something a little bit more local: Charlotte FC, the uh, North Carolina's MLS team in Charlotte. Um, has its first head coach, Miguel Angel Ramirez Medina, and uh, they announced two new assistant coaches, Christian Latanzio and Mikel Antia. Um, each of these guys have had uh, previous experiences, some successes. 
um, across Europe and uh, in South America, and I believe somewhere in the Middle East, there was one um, for one of the assistants. So, but we can get more to them when they begin playing next year. As for the Euros, which concluded some a few weeks ago, um, of course, due to this podcast being out a little later, uh, didn't get to cover everything, but uh, sort of a roundup of the semifinals. It was an Italy versus Spain uh, semifinals where Italy managed to win an extra time versus Spain, uh, with the other semifinal being England and Denmark, where England managed to take a 2-1 uh, win in extra time thanks to a Raheem Sterling dive slash uh, foul, which resulted in a penalty uh, for England, which was converted at the end. And that led up to an England versus Italy final. The young England team with so much upside, such a really high ceiling versus an experienced Italy team with a very, very good manager. It was a very good game. England opened the scoring up really early um, with Luke Shaw goal in the uh, second, third minute. I uh, can't remember which of the two. Um, after two minutes, uh, go really quickly. But then after that, England just sort of forgot how to play. Didn't really... I, I feel they didn't capitalize on their... on being ahead mm-hmm. and having the advantage. And that resulted in yeah. Italy slowly, slowly growing into the game. Um, up to the point where England had only 33% possession compared to Italy's 67% possession. Um and this would only grow and grow and grow until Italy would finally get a breakthrough goal. Um, coming after Federico Chiesa, which is causing so many problems for the English defense, getting in behind, making them buckle. But it would be the 34-year-old defender Leonardo Bonucci who would head in a cross uh, at the 67th minute to tie the game. That goal would force extra time between Italy and England and would result in penalties, which England, which Italy would win on uh, thanks to Italy not be, uh, England not being able to convert their penalties. Now, on the surface, on surface of this, you know, congratulations to Italy. This is great for them. But looking deeper at this, this should have been England's game to win. On paper, they had the better players across across the field, and not just that, they had the better bench. But their yeah. manager sort of looked like a deer in headlights, not knowing what to do when being up, didn't, didn't really understand how to manage the game, didn't make substitutions properly. In fact, putting oh, on Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford in the very last minute of extra time just for penalties. So they would go up to take their penalties without kicking a single ball. So That's a lot of questionable, yeah, that was not very good. A lot of questionable decisions were made by the England manager, which, I, if I'm honest, were kind of unacceptable for him at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And just the Italian manager did so many. He he knew exactly when to make a substitution, knew exactly what tactical changes to make, and it resulted in Italy winning uh, their second Euros. Uh, I believe it's their second Euros uh, yeah. trophy. Uh, so just to pair it along with four World Cups, why don't you? So uh, yeah, yeah. 
but um, if, if this was me who would make the decision for England, I would honestly fire the manager of England. He didn't. He, he just he knew how to get a team in the yeah. right mindset before a game and going into the game, but didn't know how to manage the game, the team during the game. And that's sort of been the criticism all along. But um, where does this leave these two teams? Italy, oddly enough, despite winning, it, I'm still a little bit more questionable as to what Italy can do uh, in the mm-hmm. future. So the, the World Cup in Qatar is only 17 months away. Yeah. Um, Shaleni and Bonucci uh, are a little bit older. And Shaleni's 37 and might quit. And Shaleni without Bonucci just won't work. You right, need both right. of them side by side because as Shaleni has said before, quote, I know Bonucci... Better than better than I know my wife. End quote. So without the best center back pairing in the last twelve years in international soccer, I don't know mm-hmm. where Italy is really going to go. But England has another issue entirely. Their squad, for the most part, is fairly young, and it's good enough to keep them on the world stage and challenge for everything for the next ten to fifteen years. But their problem for the past years has been management, and they thought they had the solution with Gareth Southgate. Uh, but this final honestly just proved otherwise. Um, the ego is no longer a problem. It's now the tactics and in-game management yeah. that's the problem. And if England can basically add somebody to that staff who can basically have control over the tactics in the game or change the manager so that they can still keep that ego in check but do well in managing the game... I think they're a World Cup 2022 favorite. In my yeah. It's it's tough because I agree with you about um, Gareth Southgate, Southgate. Some of his decisions made zero sense and definitely, I mean, a lot of the blame for the loss goes on him. But the thing is, though, he is the first England manager since the great Sir Alf Ramsey to have made the semifinals or later in both a World Cup and the UEFA Euros for England. Which, like, that's, that's saying something. It was the first time that England were even in the finals of a UEFA Euros. They, they'd never made the finals before. And, and they've had better teams than this, though. Right, they've had well. much better teams. Uh, teams that's what makes it so perplexing. David like, Beckham. They, they had Beckham yeah. in a team and did nothing. Right, right. Had Rooney... Uh, uh, it's not just Rooney. It's Lampard, right. Gerrard, mm-hmm. um, John Terry, Rio Ferdinand. These are all legends of the game. And mm-hmm. they accomplished zero. Right, right. The, the management was really bad. This uh, Southgate was a step in the right direction, but it's not the solution. And that's... Right. The England... What's really going to determine how well England does is the management in charge of basically appointing people is if they mm-hmm. can see that. If right, they see that right. this problem and address it, they I think they'll win the World Cup in 2022. Assuming they don't come up against France. Yeah. France, yeah. I think, is the only team that can actually challenge them. Yeah. Across the board. So, Yeah. But uh, that concludes soccer in Europe for that season. Uh, for those players, are going to have an extra rest, like at least uh, like three weeks, 
after the end of the Euros before they have to report to their clubs for training for the beginning of the next season, which starts in August slash September, depending on the country. Um, but now we got to talk about Copa America. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, that is that that the Copa America final was very exciting. Um, hello, Gaddy, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, I can no longer hear. Him. Okay. Uh, internet's been funny. In any case, uh, what's been going on with so the final Argentina and Brazil. Um, it was a very, very good tactical game. It was a chess match between these two titans of South America. You've got Argentina yeah. Yeah. stacked squad, including Messi, versus Brazil's stacked squad, including Neymar. And mm-hmm. uh, Argentina took a lead thanks to a Angel Di Maria wonder goal, lifting the ball over the keeper. Keeper could do absolutely nothing uh, to get a 1-0 lead. And Argentina, with that goal, had a game plan. They would they set up shop. They just sat compact in a 4-4-2 in front of goal and let Brazil hack away at them. And Brazil, to their credit, tried everything. They threw the kitchen sink, the fridge, the, the dishwasher, whatever you got in the sink, they threw it. And the Argentine goalkeeper just... Was in defense just stopped everything and it resulted with a Argentine Argentina win Messi's first trophy with Argentina it's not quite the two World Cups that Maradona has for Argentina but it's a step in the right direction for Messi who I but believe Maradona never won a Copa America yes Maradona so, did not win a Copa America he just did something Maradona has uh did not do that that's big i mean that's that's big right that there. is very big and basically the whole yeah. argentina team was basically celebrating not just with messi but for messi they everybody for believes messi. in yeah. messi it, it's almost like a religion for them mm-hmm. and i believe we're gonna see <laughs> yeah. a population boom in yeah. nine months in argentina don't quote me on that but <laughs> i think that's happening um because the thing is with Messi is that, you know, ever since, I mean, for many, many years now, when it became clear that he was one of the best players in the world, it's been, okay, your expectation is to now carry this national team to an international trophy. And they'd gotten close multiple times, at least the couple Copa America finals, the World Cup final in uh, 2014, so they got close, but now, you know, this is a, a legacy-defining win for him. He has kind of fulfilled his role as the um, leader of Argentina. Yes. And uh, to cap it all off, Messi a little bit now content with settling the sort of stigma around him not being a success at Argentina, decides to sign to re-sign with Barcelona having have, after having been a free agent uh, with his contract expiring this past season with Barcelona. Decided to, to re-sign with Barcelona and take a pay cut because um, it is no secret in the soccer world that 
Barcelona has uh, severe financial issues. They're something like a billion, over a billion dollars in debt after some really bad <laughs> transfer moves and stadium improvements that haven't been paid for. It, there's issues in Barcelona. On top of that, Barcelona has to cut down their weight structure because La Liga has imposed a uh, a salary cap. And yeah. Barcelona is over double the salary cap right now. Or they, at least they were. So they have to Yikes. sell people, Yikes. renegotiate some contracts here and there. It, it's It's not pretty mm-hmm. for them. It's really not pretty for them. Yeah. And to um, cap things off in the soccer that, world. Yeah. Oh no, you, you got something else? Well, um, I was trying to remember how did they get much of a punishment for the uh, Super League? Like do they have to pay a fine? I don't for, remember. Um, I don't know. To join the Super I don't League? know if they've been punished yet. I don't know if they've been okay. punished yet. Uh, so that only add on to there was if yes. um the Super League. I th- I think they did get a uh, a fine, but it wasn't anything too large compared. The Premier League teams the got a they fine. already are a billion over. The Premier League teams got a fine. I okay. don't know if the Spanish and Italian team got a fine. I don't know if they've got okay. anything Interesting. yet. Interesting. It's still yeah. ongoing legally. Um, capping it all off, I believe we mentioned this earlier. The U.S. Women's National Team in the Olympics. Lost to Sweden, fifth ranked in the world, while U.S. Women's National Team is first in the world. Zero to three. This is like one of their first losses in the Olympics in a very, very long time. Yeah. It's a big surprise. Sweden, women's, Swedish women's teams actually historically had some pretty good outings against the U.S. unusually. So it's, uh, it's sort of a bogey Yeah. Team. It doesn't eliminate yeah. them from uh, yeah. getting gold, but it's uh, it's stepping the wrong direction. Though the U.S. women's national team did redeem themselves with a six-one win versus I don't remember who actually yesterday. Uh, New New Zealand. New, New Zealand. Zealand. Okay. So they they turned it around fast. Yeah, six-one. Um, but it was scary because I mean, it was forty-four straight games without a loss like in overall not just olympics i mean that's including world cup and uh friendlies and stuff like that but like this has been oh, such man. a i remember the women's world cup team and they it's not that they lost it's not just that they lost sweden but they got destroyed they looked they looked disassembled terrible and yeah. that's what right right that's what we're not used to seeing with them, which is kind of what made it bigger. Although six one win, um, kind of you know, um, changed turned things around some. They still need to. They need either a tie or a win against Australia in the last match to make it on into like to guarantee a spot into the next round. Although they could possibly um, go with the loss if they finish as one of the top third place teams you mentioned but, uh, this and, and to tie back what you said earlier you uh mm, no, no go, go on no, no go on it's you floor is yours oh okay well uh, okay so the um you had mentioned earlier about how sweden has kind of caused problems for the u.s before 2006 
2016 Olympics, Sweden knocked the U.S. out of the tournament in the quarterfinals. They won on penalty kicks 4-3, to three, and that was the U.S.'s earliest loss in the Olympics, like earliest uh, kind of exit in the Olympics because they have women's soccer has been playing at the Olympics since six and the out of the first five Olympics U.S. won the gold medal four times so and then in 2016 they got knocked out by Sweden so now we lose to them again like it's Sweden's a tough yeah uh, they're a team that that knows how to beat us yeah uh, so like I also like to add, you were mentioning unbeaten like through the World Cup. It, that that mm-hmm. that win streak includes a thirteen zero win versus Thailand. <laughs> I remember yeah. watching yeah. that, and it was the, quite the show. One. Quite mm-hmm. the show. Thirteen to zero. When when does the mercy Absolute come in? Destruction. Yeah. I know, I know. It's like, come on. Speaking um, of absolute <laughs> destruction, yeah, segues, and you know, of course, let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, or let's just talk about the NBA. We'll get into the playoffs in a second. Uh, but first, just a few things to announce. Firstly, the NBA has a new logo for the seventy-fifth season. It's nothing fancy. It's just instead of the rounded rectangle, it's just a diamond with the same NBA colors and. Just the, the number 75 in it. So nothing fancy there. But just a new look. Oh, and it looks better than the Cleveland Guardians new. That's all yeah, I it know, does. So. It does look better um, than the Cleveland Guardians logo. It's not say, that's not saying much, but um, yeah. <laughs> um, the Mavericks have a uh, – the Mavericks assistant, Jamal Mosley, uh, has penned a four-year deal to become the Magic head coach while uh, – Sun's assistant Willie Green is now becoming the Pelicans head coach. Uh, so the sort of the musical chairs in the NBA of coaches didn't quite go as I thought it would with the same coaches moving to different teams. It's a lot of assistants have gotten promotions and a lot of new faces in the coaching chair this year. So mm-hmm. it'll be pretty exciting to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Lamo- Lamelo Ball. Uh, another news, uh, won the best breakout athlete at the ESPYs. Uh, I saw some people were upset. Uh, a lot of people wanted a football player. I can't remember who to win it. Um, I can't remember who. Uh, uh, that sort of sped on me for not remembering who, but a lot of people were upset about yeah, Lamelo win, winning it, though as a Hornets fan, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, one of the <laughs> quotes that came out uh from Lamelo is that he wants to sign a twenty-year deal and stay in Charlotte, and I'd be all for that, you know. Oh, but uh, that'd be awesome. It would be great, uh, mainly for a yeah. reason coming up in a second. But also, uh, Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey uh, revealed that the first question they ask draft prospects is if they make their bed, because it, uh, apparently. <laughs> sort of shows the mindset of players and whether they'd fit into the team. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, mm-hmm. the NBA draft is this Thursday. We'll get to a little bit about it after we talk about the playoffs, but let's just let's just let's enough of putting us off. Let's talk about Suns in Bucks. 
What happened to Sons and yes. Four? What happened to Sons and Four? Bucks and Six. <laughs> it got replaced by Bucks and Six. Uh, <laughs> it got replaced by Bucks and Six. Um, was it Brandon Jennings who predicted? Um, I believe so. Bucks and Six back many years. Yeah, ago? but it was for a different yeah. series too. Um, back in 2013. So yeah, but he let's just say he was prophesying yeah. this championship. Um, <laughs> it's just been a great series. Uh, I remember when yeah. we were predicting the series, the question mark was Giannis. Was he healthy? Yeah. Because yeah. There, there are fears that he had torn his AFCL or done some knee ligament damage or something. Right. The first two games, it looked like he wasn't yeah. 100%, but he was good. Like He was okay, but he wasn't 100%. Mm-hmm. And those first two games with Suns mm-hmm. wins, uh, resulting in... The Bucks being plus four with Giannis on the court, seventy-five minutes, but negative twenty-seven in the other twenty-one minutes when he was off court. But game three is when starts mm-hmm. when things started changing. Uh, game three is where Cam Johnson got got that legendary poster on PJ Tucker, like literally the it is a poster to put yeah. on the wall yeah. and frame it, whatever. It is perfect. Um, but the mm-hmm. bot the book started clicking again. They started making their shots. Mm-hmm. Giannis was making his free throws. Um, Giannis had back to back forty point mm-hmm. ten rebound games in the finals. Only other person to do that was Shaq in two thousand mm-hmm. on the Lakers. LeBron was close on the Cavs yeah. in twenty sixteen. Uh, ESPN had it wrong. Um. He had 41, 16, and 7 in Game 5 of 2016 NBA Finals, and then 41, 8, and 11 in Game 6. Still great, but not not quite the stat they're looking yeah. for. Also, the ref that game, right, Scott right. Foster. Uh, before the game, Chris Paul was 0-11, came 0-12 after that game. Uh, and then Game 4. Crazy. Crazy. Game four is where things really started to unravel. Like I had a feeling the Suns would lose game three. Just mm-hmm. that would be the game they'd give up. But game four is when things started to unravel for the Suns. The Suns had a lead for a lot of the game. They were trying to reassert their authority, mm-hmm. uh, but the Bucks would not go away, and they would take the lead in the second. Uh, yeah. CP three would just keep. Uh, take the lead in the second half, I believe. Uh, CP3 uncharacteristically just kept losing the ball. He was careless with turnover after turnover. Yeah. The Suns faced foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Booker, uh, especially. Uh, Giannis with a super block. Uh, Chris Middleton balled out as well. The Bucks crowd was a huge mm-hmm. influence. In fact, all the crowds were influences this year. Atlanta was a gigantic influence for the for the yeah uh, for the Hawks. Huge. Uh, Cam Johnson actually, uh, as a note, was noticeably mm-hmm. very good in this game as well. Uh, Booker uh, Devin Booker mm-hmm. broke the record for the most points in his first playoff appearance. Um, Basically, in uh, in the series, like five hundred something, I don't remember the exact number. I think he got up to six hundred. I don't remember perfectly. Uh, and this is when it first started coming out. Bucks in six, the chant from the crowd. 
<laughs> the crowd believed. Yeah, yeah. And the team reacted to it. Drew Holiday's defense was real. This is when you started seeing, oh, mm-hmm. this is 2-2. The Bucks aren't going away. Something's happening right here. Right, right. And then comes game five, where the Suns had a 16-point yeah. lead in the first, but choked to a three-point deficit at halftime. Choked. Yeah. Giannis physically just, he looked really tired, kept missing layups, but Drew Holiday kept making buckets. And uh, mm-hmm. a stat that came out was that when Chris Paul was on the floor in this game without Devin Booker, the Suns were mm-hmm. negative 37. Uh, it's not just in this game, but I guess in the whole series. Negative wow. 37 in 40 minutes. Whole series, wow. Yes, that's really, really bad. Yikes. And Bucks took it. That's bad. Bucks that's took bad. the game 3-2 to the Bucks. Yeah. And then came along game six. The Bucks stole a game away in Phoenix. Now it's game six in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And the rumors the in the morning were that Scott Foster was spotted around in Milwaukee. <laughs> and everybody went crazy. Absolutely. Just people were losing their shit. Oh my gosh. Um, it, I wrote oh this God. is headline news, uh, surprisingly, but also seems to doom the Suns. <laughs> the game though was close yeah. throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. Though in the last minute, it was a four-point game, but the Suns just again mm-hmm. went cold in the end of the game. They were not able to finish their games. Uh, they went cold, mm-hmm. and the Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks just sealed the game. They kept their cool, sealed the game. Giannis finished with fifty points, fourteen rebounds, two assists, five blocks, a ring, Finals MVP, and a ticket to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And oh wait, he's only twenty six. Yes. 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 This did not disappoint. What? Okay. What really? No. Well, first off, Giannis has been a awful free throw shooter all playoffs and then he goes into game six and shoots 17 for 19 from the free throw line 17 of 19 when he is normally an awful awful free throw shooter that that is absolutely amazing to to be able to step it up that much to be able to go okay my weakest spot I'm going to turn that into the strongest point of my game for the biggest game of my life. Like, man, man, that's that's incredible. Yeah, this series and has been just absolutely this incredible. And this was like when we mm-hmm. at the beginning of the finals when we were like you know every five years the finals really really good. This this lived up to it. Mm-hmm. This didn't have. Uh, this lived up to it. Yeah, this didn't have like a buzzer beater shot or Did something. Did not disappoint. But Giannis had three straight games of iconic moments. In game four, he had the block. Right. In game two, in the closing the moments, block. he had yeah. the alley oop. Yeah. In game uh, five, I mean, in the closing game moments, five. he had the alley oop. Yeah. 
and in game six, yeah. he had the 50-point closeout. 50-point closeout. That is so just... It, he's 26. One thing I want to point out about that block in game four. Yeah, yeah. No, go on. Go on about 20, Only 26 years old. Okay, the block. That was – he jumped off of his well, – first off, that's an um, – for someone who's completely healthy, that is a very difficult block, okay? Second off, he was jumping off of the leg that he had just hyperextended two weeks ago. He was jumping off his injured leg to make that incredible block. That – it blows my mind. He just – I don't know. It's – you know, part of the reason I had said Suns in five to begin this series, or at the beginning of the series, is because the Bucks, who had not been to the final since 1974, said that Giannis was too injured to games five and six of the Eastern Conference Finals when the series was tied 2-2, right? So I was, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to play in the NBA Finals, but he's going to visibly be you know like not what, the same Giannis like that Embiid we think last year but then he comes around and like, right, if you remember right. Embiid last year like Ben Simmons was out but Embiid was also injured but he kept playing to give his team a chance and he played well mm-hmm. but he wasn't yeah. obviously not 100% I, that's what I thought I'd be seeing yeah, from Giannis yeah. but there's, no we saw MVP right. Giannis Yes. It was a thrill. 62% from the field. 62% from the oh, field. Oh my. That is. Yeah. That is. Yeah, un- I mean, just. Like, I've always called. Absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if I've ever seen a. I mean. Go on. Maybe he's going to write that again. No, you go ahead. You go oh, ahead. oh, okay. Um, I've always said that yeah, Giannis go. was just unfair. He has the perfect basketball <laughs> body, the perfect ratio. Mm-hmm. If he can just scrape together a decent mm-hmm. three-point shot, it doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be great, it has to be decent, enough to command some respect. Mm-hmm. And he can make some free throws. Nobody can stop him. You can't do anything against this guy. He's too good. Yeah. And... Yeah. He showed it, yeah. And, and also, and also with this, he a lot of his emphasis was, "I don't want to go. I don't want to go to a super team. I want to stay here, where I was drafted, and mm-hmm. win a championship here." He wants he should, his he thing sure was did. loyalty, and he yeah. and Chris Middleton are the only two remaining from that from the basically from the draft and the way the Bucks were built. Uh, the Bucks shot thirty-two percent from three Eight years together. Yeah. Yes, uh, they—they're mm. the worst three-point shooting team championship team since the 04 Pistons. Is that the did the 04 wow. Pistons have Sheed? I think they did. I think they did. <laughs> Which, yeah. Okay. Um, but something I yeah. wrote here: the Bucks were the real process to trust. Yes. Everybody yes. Knows. Trust the process in Philly. Yeah. This is the process here. Fear the Cur- deer. Yeah, fear the deer. I, I really like what I've seen um, here. I hope 
I hope this inspires players, uh, people getting drafted, that they can win on the team they were drafted from, even if it's small market or whatever. Right. I hope this influences Lamelo yeah. to yeah. stay in Charlotte or Zion to stay mm-hmm. in New Orleans or whatever. Don't go chasing the big lights. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't always work. I don't think yeah, the Nets will yeah. win the championship next year. I think there is a level of chasing the ring makes you avoid the ring, essentially. Like, it'll push it, you'll push mm-hmm. it further away from yourself. But, uh, yeah, this It'll was be interesting to see. Do we have anything Maybe. else to add on this? This is the bow tie. This yes, is the I bow do. tie on the season. So, yes, it is. And all the talk's going to be on Giannis and then also a decent amount on Middleton. And for true Milwaukee fans, a lot of talk's going to be about Bobby Portis because for some, <laughs> for some reason, Bobby Portis is almost as popular as Giannis within, like, hardcore Bucks fans. Uh, don't really understand but um drew holiday i had said before and i'll say it again having a true point guard like him in game seven he had 12 11 and 9 but that's not the most important impressive stat about him he guarded devin booker for most of game six and he guarded booker throughout a lot of the series in game six holiday limited booker to eight for 22 shooting um, that is dirty. I mean, some you, we we got we got to look at Holiday because you know Devin Booker shot twenty seven percent from three for the whole series. Um, like you know, we we got to remember to tip our hats off to Drew Holiday for the defense he played. I mean, he had the the game winning steal in Game Five. So um, yeah, no, that's. I loved watching Drew Holiday in that series for what he could do defensively. And then again, to repeat what we've been saying this whole time, Giannis went absolute beast mode. In my opinion, like this was a his game six performance, and even some of his other performances, but especially game six, like that was reminiscent of LeBron in twenty sixteen or KD in twenty seventeen. No, I'm thinking back to some of the best finals, and Giannis goes up there. He is he has changed. He is not just a young player anymore. He is a dominant champion who will definitely go to the Hall of Fame for this performance. Yeah, he's he's already punched his ticket to the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. One more thing to add. I almost forgot this. This year's champions have added three new people to the to the list of people who have uh, players who have won a NBA championship and an NCAA championship. Mm-hmm. We all know one of them, okay. Justin Jackson. Do you know who the other two Justin are? Justin Jackson. Yeah. Um, Diakite. Did he win? Yes, Diakite. Who's the third? Okay. Ooh, uh, DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo, yes. Yeah. DiVincenzo. Um, so, gosh, I forgot. He had been injured. They, He yeah. was a big piece of that team. He was. You know, being able, able to space the out the floor. I mean, both teams had some injuries to players, so I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say they cancel each other out. So. Right, right. 
UNC still has more NBA championships than anybody else. You know, players have more NBA championships than anybody That's awesome. else. But uh, that takes us to the last little thing we got to talk about. The draft. It's Thursday. Yes. Um, I'm 100% certain we're going to see some big moves, some big trades. Probably some three-team trades going to happen. Um, I have a feeling Chicago is going to do something. The Hornets might do something. Um, there might be some movements in the top, the top uh, five, the top ten, somewhere. Um, general consensus is that Pistons are just going to get Cade Cunningham, but picks two through four are interchangeable between the players Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Suggs. Any order, those three will probably be taken in by the Rockets, Cavs, Raptors. All three of those teams need players like them. Picks five, five through through twelve are, or five through eleven are really th- a throw up of whatever's available. Really, depending on team need, um, I have no idea what the Hornets are going to do. Whether they're actually going to trade, there's been talks that they might try to move something to get Miles Turner. The Warriors are definitely going to do something with their picks. There, something's happening with the Warriors. We'll see what happens. Um, some players I'd avoid. Jalen Johnson from Duke. He's not... If, if the reason is his injury record is really a thing for him. He's had mm-hmm. a bad injury record. Franz Wagner uh, from Michigan also sort of screams a bust. Just uh, sort of looking at him, like I don't know if he's really going to be ready for the NBA body wise and uh, skill set wise. Isaiah Jackson or just really anybody from Kentucky this past season, I don't see why you would draft them. They looked so dysfunctional. They looked so inept at playing basketball uh, that I would not <laughs> draft not, them. I'm good. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, sort of, that's sort of my um, spiel. Yeah, as a Cavs fan, I hope we don't mess this up. I've heard rumors, there were initially rumors that uh, we might try to uh, trade Colin Sexton. No idea why, although uh, Woj just recently said that um, the, the word on the streets that the Cavs are not going to trade Colin Sexton, thankfully. Uh, with our pick, I I don't know. Getting Jalen Green and then trading Darius Garland, I think, is an option. Um, although Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes could be potential players we go after. Or trade down. Like if we if we don't feel super strong about someone, trade down or trade the pick for a player. Um, apparently according to um Bleacher Report, the Cavs have reached out to the Sixers about Ben Simmons. So let's kind of, you know, keep that on the back burner. I'm I'm not really too sure. Oh no. Oh, what, if, if, you know. if the Cavs trade the third pick away for Ben Simmons, I'm gonna lose my mind. That is yeah, not a fair trade. Um, that yeah. is not a fair trade. Ben so, Simmons I mean, I wouldn't be, it. I wouldn't be. Yeah, he would have to move to. 
Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that would just be a problem. Um, and then lastly, with Cavs-related draft and trade news, um, on Cap- the Cavaliers Reddit, someone posted a few days ago and said, I found a way to get rid of Kevin Love. You know, those, you know, we're, we're trying to find a way to get his, his one season or at least some, right? some fans are saying, yeah, some players are saying his salary cap is too, is the amount of salary he's getting is too large for what kind of a player he is. Um, so, you know, using the trade machines, <laughs> this guy said, you know, a LeBron James for Kevin Love trade would work with salary reasons. <laughs> oh my bring lebron back up uh, lebron's <laughs> third stint in cleveland oh god um if that happens yeah not, well, not gonna happen you'll hear about it first here you heard it first here um yeah uh, but, so people who i think but will... i do hope if we trade kevin love if okay. we trade kevin love i hope we can get something good in return um uh some but, people to look know. out for who will who aren't going to be top five, but are pretty, pretty good. Scotty Barnes from Florida State will be mm-hmm. pretty good. Uh, James Booknight. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kai Jones, Trey Murphy. Avoid Zaire Williams. He is an injury. He's a huge <laughs> injury concern. Huge injury concern. And Ayo mm-hmm. uh, Dosunmu. Hopefully I'm not saying his name too poorly. He might be pretty decent, but he's going to fall. Uh, pretty late in the first round if he goes. Um, a name I'm seeing right now is Jaden Springer. This guy was like top five in recruiting. Like he was supposed to be really good shooting guard uh, slash point guard. Went to Tennessee. UNC is really in for him before letting off the pedal. He dropped dramatically in his draft stock. And that's sort of surprising. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it uh, is. I'm really excited for... This whole week is going to be just trade heaven. People are going yeah, to really move. Is. Trades are uh, uh, picks are going to move, and I am excited for it. And Thursday night, it's going to be fun. But uh, one I last do... player to watch out for. Oh, go for it. One last player. Um, he's not going to be top five, but I feel like he has good potential. Davion Mitchell from Baylor. Ooh. He's a little bit older. So... Yeah, he's 22 right now, and a lot of these players are 19 or so when they're getting drafted. But he was the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year last year. Um, he was third-team All-American. Not just a defensive guy, though. He shot 45% from three and averaged five-and-a-half assists per game. And, of course, won a national championship. So, I don't know. He's, he's kind of like my dark horse for a guy who's not going to go super high, but who could end up you know being a good get for teams yeah i, I can see that um daron of daron sharp of course is in the draft i don't know if he'll go first he's round he's gonna be a pretty good second round pick i think there's gonna be some second round gems this year yeah. um i can't really mm-hmm. point to them because i don't i haven't really looked too deep into the second round but i i have this feeling that this year's second round is gonna be pretty good yeah, so we'll find out. But I believe that is all we've got for today. Uh, we shall, we'll be back next so. week. Uh, so I believe we'll preview the NFL season. We'll talk about the NBA draft and all the trades that have happened then and uh, mm-hmm. anything else that happens in between. So uh, that's all yeah. from me. You got anything yeah. else? 
Nope. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yep. Tell your friends. Thanks for listening.